This week on FX Guide TV. We talk to Pixamondo about their work on Game of Thrones Season 2. And slow things down with the marmalade. This and more coming up next. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Calafront. Calafront's leading onset dailies and express daily systems deliver integrated production proven dailies tools with state of the art color and image science leading camera raw support, and simultaneous faster-than-real-time deliveries in all common file formats. Visit colorfront.com. Hello and welcome to FX Guide TV. HBO's Game of Thrones. Over four million people watched Jon Snow, King Stannis Baratheon, Rob Stark, Lord Lannister, and of course, everyone's favorite, his son Tyron Lannister, at Winterfell, King's Landing, the Iron Islands and beyond the wall. The second season obtained a serious increase in budget in order to be able to stage this season's epic wars. Filming took place during 106 shooting days, during which three quarters of those, two crews, Dragon Crew and Wolf Crew, were working simultaneously in different locations. John Montgomery sat down with Yuri Stanisek, visual effects supervisor at Pixmondo in Europe. Yeah, it was about 528 shots, and yeah, we are right now in the final delivery. Yesterday night we delivered everything, and we have some little tweaks to go, and then it's really done. So let's talk about the workflow. Pixamundo is a worldwide company. Um, the project was centered here in Stuttgart, but can you talk a little bit about the distribution of the project with the other offices? Yeah, of course we have uh, different offices um, on c uh, different countries and every office has some strengths and the Berlin office, for example, is doing destruction explosions mainly and Frankfurt is doing uh, character animation, but every uh, facility can do nearly everything, but we placed all the shots, of course, to um, the skills and to uh, the team. Um, who should do this, like, um, like the dragons and the explosions. Now, managing that and managing workflow between different offices is something obviously Pixamondo has nailed because of the work that you're doing, but can you talk a little bit about your workflow though between the offices? Yeah, I think it was a lot of um, communication what Pixamondo is trained in because we all work on this workflow. Um, I do um, synergies with all the facilities. That's, it's a lot of time because in the morning, if I come in the morning, we have to talk to the Chinese offices in Beijing and Shanghai. And after this is done, I have to speak with uh, London, with um, Berlin, with Munich, with Hamburg. And so that is this, the German time. And at the end of the evening, of course, I have to speak to Rainer Gombosch and Steve Kulbeck. They're sitting in L.A. and working on HBO site. Now, in, within Pixamondo, were there supervisors each facility, or did how, how, how does that work? How does the reporting structure work and approval process? Every uh, facility has a supervisor, and the supervisor is completely responsible for the quality. So they m might work like an own company, mm -hmm. and I have to talk afterwards with the supervisors about the effects and um, what should be done different or better, and so. Um, you get really done shots to Stuttgart, and these shots um, be sent to the client. 
Okay, now managing those, do you have in-house software, off-the-shelf, or a um, mixture of the two for managing the production? Yeah, we manage it with shotgun. So um, I can read if a match move is working in Chinese on a shot, and if it's finished, and when it's finished. And that's very important because um, this pipeline must work if I have animation. So I have to do the match move first, and this has to be done in time. And this is all controlled by a wonderful producing and coordination team where sitting in Stuttgart, um, an extra special thank you to our office. It was a hard work and you made hours and hours and I'm completely um, impressed that this works. Yeah, it really was beautiful work. I mean, I, I'm actually a big fan of the series, so it's uh, fun to speak with you about it. But let's start talking actually about that work, maybe with the environments. I mean, because of the nature of the show, You've got to create a lot of environments. Talk about the scope of that this season. Yeah, environments. I don't have the shot number um, right now, but it's a lot. And we had um, <coughs> to do photorealistic environments where was no discussion that it's anything CG. It must be perfect. And HBO wanted to have the really the best quality. And it's not no no nobody's um, <laughs> thinks about it. this is a television show. The quality and um, the approvals from HBO are cinema-like. It's a really a movie and not a TV series where they can cheat a little bit. It must, must be perfect. Are the deadlines the same as another type of TV series, like a standard network TV series you might find, or do you have more time to do the work? Uh, the time is okay, but of course, about the huge numbers of shots, 528 shots, mm -hmm. um, we had a deadline every two weeks and that was quite hard and um, we had nearly an all the time deadline what is really time consuming and very very um, hard to work with. Yeah so you had uh, over 60 environments I think but yeah. let's talk about some specific ones starting with Pike. Can you walk us through what you had to do with that? Yes, mainly, mainly we, uh, we did uh, nearly every environment uh, with projection and nuke. That means we have, have a really, really strong matte painting team. Mm -hmm. uh, thank you, matte painting team. And this matte paintings we give to uh, the 3D guys. They build it up uh, low poly geometry. And after this is projected in Nuke. And this was always the way to work on. This was all the technique. We nearly did no 3D matte painting completely in 3D and rendered it. The main goal in this short period of time was to paint it and to paint it good. Well, what about something like Karenhold? Was there a lot of, it's a kind of a destructed castle that's been destroyed. I mean, was there a lot of concept development work? Yeah, the concept work was uh, a lot. And it's always the same. Um, to make a new castle, it's pretty much more easier than to, uh, than to do a destroyed one because um, it has all to look very natural that the destroy, this, this destroying is um, to read and it looks not like some broken polygons. So the destruction is mostly more difficult than a uh, normal castle. Well, and King's Landing was another location we did a significant amount of map painting work. Yeah, King's Landing was really... Um, um, I think the most used matte paintings, well, what we had, because um, in the first episode we were inside King's Landing and had a, uh, there was a fight and we always had to, to show King's Landing from inside. And in the episode 9 we got King's Landing from the fleet, that means uh, the fleet comes to 
King's Landing and we had to show this um, from different angles, I think eight or nine angles and it always has to match to each other and it always has to look perfect mm -hmm. and this was a big challenge and the main, main place in episode nine is the big fight on King's Landing. So this was really a cool matte painting and I was really happy that the quality of these shots are really amazing. What do you have to do for water simulation and so forth? That, that was another big deal. <laughs> what I, um, we had to do a lot of water because the, sh uh, the fleet, a very huge fleet, is always swimming in a um, completely water environment. And we have really close-up shots to um, the wakes of the ships. And this is all we have to simulate and bring it really to a photorealistic look, what was quite hard to get it in this short period of time. And the team who did all the water um, was sitting in Stuttgart and Berlin mm -hmm. and these guys did amazing work about um, photorealism water. What did you use for that pipeline? We used uh, the first time uh, NIAD, what is quite a powerful software tool and I, it was amazing what the quality was about the water and the team was sitting in Stuttgart and Berlin and all did all these water shots and I was completely impressed as a supervisor what these guys bring out of the software. Right, especially learning it and being new to it. Yes. It was especially the case. Yeah, we were on one hand side learning the software while doing the water. Yeah, well, it turned out really nicely. Now, I don't want to minimize the work on the environment, but I thought one really interesting aspect was the creature development, the shadow creature, because frankly with an environment, if it looks photoreal, you know that you've sold the shot, whereas with the character development, it's much more complicated. What was the process he went through on that? Yeah, there are um, <coughs> a nice shadow creature. Um, of course, it was a challenge to work on and I was quite happy that we keep the shadow creature in Stuttgart. So, yeah, we got first designs on HBO. They were quite nice, but um, there was no clear design. And as you read the books, um, there is no a clear description what should a shadow creature looks like. And so um, we, of course, did a lot of research and watched through films and go to the internet and did by our own some, some concepts on this. Yeah, and after working a while, we recognized that our shadow creature should do more than a normal creature. A normal creature is mostly you build a creature, you make a nice creature, you have a setup done, and then you do a couple of shots. But um, the shadow creature, in every shot, this creature should do everything different. The burst is um, right. one part, and this is flying out of the burst and building together as a character, nearly shaped like a human. On the other hand side, all the fume stuff is going on. And all the time, the character should build it all the time together from nothing. And all these challenges made it that we had nearly one basic character setup for this. And then we had nearly five different setups for every shot, uh, nearly a new setup. But how long did it take to get even to that one basic character? And it's basic as, as uh, the, the main character, but how long did it take that development process take? How many iterations did you have? I think we, we worked about, uh, in the, the developing was about two months because, of course, we started much earlier with the development of this character because we knew that this, this is really a hard one. And yeah, and at the end, we worked on this three and a half months. And 
we were at the end very, very happy that everybody was happy. We um, read a lot on the internet about the shadow because um, the audience of Game of Thrones is extremely special because they love it and they don't want to be disappointed about the effect. And so all the critics at the end were perfect and I read, ah, we were scary and as I thought in the books, this is our character. How did you end up doing actually the Misty and the Fluid look of the character? How do you execute that? We, um, <clears throat> yeah, it was always a, uh, a gameplay between all the techniques. At mm -hmm. the end, we rendered everything together that we got a really interaction of all elements. Um, but there were different people involved. One was doing the hard surface stuff, one was doing um, the smoky elements. And uh, to bring all these um, different techniques together in one working file, this was a big challenge. But at the end, it worked really well, and we were very happy. But there was a lot of relighting and work that actually went on in the comp as well, so... Yeah, that's... This was another difficultness of our shadow creature because, um, as you know, it's very dark scenes and a dark character with dark smoke in front of a dark background. It is really, really hard to comp it in the level that you see every nice detail on one hand side and on the other hand side it should be a shadow and a shadow in the night is really difficult to tell and we have a really extreme um, powerful compositing team where uh, Klaus Wuchter and Jan Burder were working hard on this character and they reshaped and uh, compos uh, composited very perfect and they bring out nearly 50% of the work. Yeah, it was, it was really nice work uh, in the end on that. Well, I heard a rumor that a lot of the artists who worked on the show are actually fans of the show and actually impacted some of the design work and the environments. Yeah, this was really cool. The artists uh, were so extremely high motivated. I just got phone calls from artists and said, I would work on the show for less money than normally I take. And of course, we did not do this. Uh, we used our best skilled people to work on this. But these guys come up at the week after weekend and brought concepts done by their own in their free time just to bring more quality in this project. And that was really amazing. They were so motivated and it, they had so much fun. They, may, they traveled to, to castles at the weekend to make research for all the stuff and merely um, they didn't want to have money for this. They just loved it. Another nice point is on this show, what was really amazing, in our facility we have some artists, um, they love it in their free time to uh, play nights, night games, I don't know. And after a while, if you recognize we need extras um, for additional extras and don't want to do them completely digital, then we rent a studio and um, these guys come up with their own customs and we uh, filmed them and um, comped them in as cards. So in this movie, the artists are all shown as extras in the, in the shots. <laughs> That's really interesting. Um, Moving on to the, an, another character that I think was really fantastic and I was impressed in your presentation were the dragons. Um, can you talk a little bit about the design work for that? Did you, again, did you have something a bit more specific than the shadow character? But yeah. I'm sure a lot of research still went into it. 
Yes, the dragons were mainly done in uh, Frankfurt. It's 150 kilometers away from Stuttgart. And I have to drop a name. This was Sven Martin. He's such an amazing visual effects supervisor. And he did all the dragon stuff. The dragons um, were very good in the first season. So, and we want to do the dragon even better because that's a challenge to do it better. So um, the designs were pretty clear. And of course, we got the models from the first season, but we decided to do uh, the dragons completely new because normally a model um, to make it better, it's mostly more difficult than to build it completely up new. And the other thing is that um, the dragons grown a little bit. They are not as um, young like in the first season, so we could do everything new. And I think it was really successful. And what they delivered from Frankfurt, it's amazing, especially for a TV series. Was there, were there any special techniques you used to, because there's a lot of interaction between the characters and the CG characters. Did, were there any techniques on set that were used to help eye lines and other things like that? They had a little uh, model on set. Um, for the islands, for the uh, actors to train on. But of course, it's always the same. Um, sometimes they hit the island, and some say they, they don't hit the island. And I think in some shots, we had to move the, sh the head a little bit more, or we have to really animate to the island and not mm -hmm. um, and to find special animations that we hit the island. And this was island, and this was quite difficult. Yeah, actually, so speaking of on set, did you have a crew there to supervise, take HDRs, things like that, uh, make yeah. sure the tracking was okay? Yeah, mm -hmm. mainly on set was Rainer Gombosch. Uh, Rainer Gombosch was a show supervisor from HBO, and he did so many photos and everything what we need. Uh, we had every information there. Everything was just perfect preparated. As far as the software that was used for the dragons, um, did you use something like ZBrush and did you use 3ds Max, uh, which is used a lot at your facilities? Yeah, um, with ZBrush we um, make the model of the dragon, but it was uh, animated in Maya, mm -hmm. and the character setup was done in Maya, and at the end it was rendered with V-Ray, which is a quite powerful renderer. We've talked about some of the items from earlier in the season, but actually the end of the season really has a huge climax and involved a lot of work uh, at your facilities. It was definitely backloaded, as they say. Yeah, after this interview, I have to go back and do the last two weeks on this. So um, the last two episodes, um, we had in episode nine about more than 150 shots and of course the same period of time to work on. And in the episode 10, we have about 100 shots. So the end was really hard, and, but um, there is the most of the real effect work to see, so I'm really looking forward to see the seasons uh, on air. A lot of um, CG water, CG ships, CG uh, wakes, and a big, big explosion. Um, completely simulated. And Did you use Nyad again for that? Yes, of course. And uh, we uh, worked with Fume as well, and Kakador was in, and Thinking Particles we used. Nearly every tool was uh, um, what you can use for this. Well, it, as I said before, I'm really a huge fan of the show. Love the work that you've done in this season. I think it's absolutely brilliant. I appreciate taking the time to talk to us. Thank you very much. Thank <laughs> you.
So from time to time we like to cover tech and production items away from just feature films or blockbuster TV shows. And we were particularly struck by this company from Europe. But I'll let Mike Seymour explain. That's right, Ange. I was in Hamburg last year. Hamburg, just a gorgeous city. In fact, has some of the funkiest hotels I've ever stayed at in Hamburg. Um, and while I didn't see them on that trip, our friends from Marmalade in Hamburg sent us a copy of their motion reel. Now, we get sent a lot of reels, and we love a good show reel, especially one using high-speed photography. And we get to see quite a few of those because there's been a big uh, spread globally of high-speed photography now that cameras such as the Phantom have come into their own. Phantom started out as, uh, I guess, a camera brought over to our industry from uh, military use and uh, automotive use and a bunch of other industries. But in our industry, they quickly took off and there's now an entire range of Phantom cameras. The Phantom original uh, was about 150 of those. They went through to the Gold and now the Flex, the 65. The Flex being um, kind of like a super top of the range one does about 2,570 frames per second at HD resolution. Now, the Gold does about 1,000 frames a second at HD resolution, and that's the camera that the guys at Marmalade have used for most of the material that you see behind me. This is a terrific camera, but their reel looks so dramatically different to other people's reels because they took it upon themselves to develop Spike, which is a camera platform, really, that moves at incredibly high speed with incredible tolerances. What happens is, in high speed, a second of normal time gets expanded out to 8-12 seconds in real life. So if you want to have a nice slow tracking shot past a piece of food or water that's being poured, you have to move the camera extremely quickly because you need to get from A to B so that when it's slowed down with the use of the high-speed photography, it looks like a nice move. But it has to, of course, not shake, not rattle, not move not vary in any way, shape or form. Both the Gold and the Flex are running at standard sort of HD resolutions. And there is a, a larger sensor version, the Phantom 65, which will actually go up to about 320 frames at HD because it's designed for 4K and produces around 130 frames a second at 4K. But the sweet spot is this sort of thousand frame a second work that you see the guys doing at Marmalade. And this rig, this, this robotics uh, masterpiece that is Spike, well, I'll let the guys explain. We founded The Marmalade in 2007. We wanted a company that brought all the specialists under one roof that you need for a high-speed tabletop shoot of the highest quality. That's exactly what we've got. A well-attuned team with its combined know-how to get faster and better results. Sometimes it's hard to know whether our storyboard sketches will work as film shots. Can we really shoot it? That's why we're always going to our studio to test these ideas to see if they work on camera. A lot of research has to be done to give an effect an outstanding and perfect look. You need to test it, test it, test it to make sure you get an excellent result. Our customers want the unseen. They require a unique image for their brand that no one's created before. That's where we start. It's about pouring in, pouring out, letting things fly, splashing, spinning, turning, exploding, you name it. We always create a solution. 
In our workshops, we build rigs, tools, and all kinds of mechanisms. These are custom-made specifically for each effect, which will create imagery never seen before. In our model workshop, we can build any dummies that you might require. Chocolates of all kinds, fruits, leaves, cheese, ice cream, anything you need, or anything that might be out of season. At the Marmalade, we married the analog world with the digital world, creating the best of both. I'm very happy that we have both these tools, the craftsmanship of our guys in the workshops and our digital artists who finalize everything and give it that special touch. We're always striving to push the boundaries further and further, and that is how Spike was born. High-speed shots have always been static. We wanted to set them in motion, something that was impossible up to now. We said to ourselves, there must be a solution. We needed software you could handle cinematically, something that would make filmic moves. It must be able to create more than just a nice image here and then a nice picture there. It needs to look good between those images as well. It has to be programmable very precisely. Spike is extremely flexible. You can adjust positions, trajectories and move dynamics very quickly. You always move with the camera. Camera left, right, camera up, down, forwards, backwards, tracking, tilting, rolling, orbiting around external points and pulling focus. High-speed shooting is not called the art of coincidence for nothing. Takes often have to be repeated many times until you finally get the magic high-speed moment you were looking for. At the Marmalade, we control that coincidence and turn it into a planable and controllable thing. thank Marmalade guys for that. Well, the Phantom actually runs 14 bits, so the camera actually provides a really good file for grading, and those pictures just look absolutely gorgeous. The camera doesn't maybe have the latitude that, say, an Alexa does, because it's pumping through at high speed, but as you can see from the imagery that these guys have produced at Marmalade, taking that footage both from live action and then what they can do with it digitally in terms of grading and in terms of compositing and putting it together, produced one of the best showreels we've seen in years. Back to you, Ange. And don't forget you can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash fxguidenews. Well, until next time, see ya. For more industry news, in-depth features, podcasts and forums, check out fxguide.com. And for visual effects training, check out fxphd.com.